welcome into the Roto Lounge. It is your boy Brad Starks, back by popular demand. And when I say popular demand, I mean I put a tweet out there. I said, "Who wants to hear me do a podcast on the mock draft?" Forty-five people voted. Eighty percent said, "Do the podcast." So this is dedicated to the 80% of you 45 people that said, Brad, do a podcast, talk about the players you like, talk about the players you don't like. So here I am in the lounge. I have been drinking tonight. My wife has a friend in town. I cook filet mignons. We had some nice red wine and... And she is a Jack Daniels drinker. Not my wife. My wife's friend is a Jack Daniels drinker. I have a bottle of Frank Sinatra Select Jack Daniels. It's $150 a bottle. I've had it in the lounge for about two months. I've never opened it. I thought, hey, this is the perfect time to open this whiskey, right? I wanted to do a My Bourbon Collection podcast where you got to see my initial reaction but sometimes things don't happen like you plan, right? And bourbon is all about the memories, the sharing, the enjoyment. And we popped this bottle and she absolutely loved it. And I'm going to drink it tonight for this podcast. So what I want you to do, get yourself something to drink, come back. I'm gonna pop this, let you know what I think about it. And we're going to talk about the players that we won this year and who we might be fading. So go get yourself a drink and get your ass back and let's do it. All right, so here I am with my Jack Daniels, Frank Sinatra Select, this Tennessee whiskey. So for those that don't know, Jack Daniels, or actually Frank Sinatra actually put Jack Daniels on the map. Uh, Jack, or Frank Sinatra used to drink whiskey and, and someone said, have you ever had that Jack Daniels? And this was years and years and years ago. And he tried it and he really liked it. It was before it went mainstream and it became his favorite. So every time he did a show, uh, he wanted his Jack Daniels with a special glass and, and, and the right amount of ice cubes. Uh, and he really, really pushed uh, Jack Daniels, and they became a, a very good uh, partnership. So, in mem, in memory of Frank Sinatra, Jack Daniels released two different whiskeys. They they released the Jack Daniels Sinatra Select, and they've also released the Jack Daniels Frank Sinatra um, Century which the Century is very, very hard to get. I think that's 500 a bottle uh, retail. And this Jack Daniels Sinatra Select, you can get at the store in, in certain areas, and it's 150 a bottle retail. And I'm gonna pop it for you tonight and try it. So here we go, let's pop it. Nice pop. What has he got? This reaction. If not himself, then he has not now this particular Jack Daniels 
bourbon whiskey or Tennessee whiskey. And let me tell you that if 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 you're used to the Jack Daniels whiskey that that you get over the counter, the 80 proof stuff that you drink with with Coke, this is completely different. And 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 when my wife's friend tried this, she's like, I am now spoiled. I can never go back to the 80 proof stuff that makes you need a chaser when you drink it. Um, this is some of the smoothest Jack Daniels whiskey that you'll ever have. What they do is they wanted to make this different than any other Jack Daniels release. So what they did was they cut deep, deep grooves into the barrels so that the whiskey could penetrate very, very deep, unlike other whiskeys that just kind of penetrate the surface. Um, and what they were hoping to do is bring out more of that oak, and you definitely get it uh, in in the nose. So when we smell it on the nose, so I'm, I'm going to smell it for you real quick. I mean, it's it's basically just heaven in a glass. I mean, it's you get that oak on the front with a sweet vanilla, but then you get a smokiness, almost like when you're smoking barbecue and you get that smokiness. But it's balanced so well that it's got a sweetness and then almost like like a like a sweet vanilla vanilla and oak but a just a just a very sweet oak I mean it's so good all right now for the taste On the front, you get sweet oak, almost like you're sucking on uh, on a piece of oak wood that was dipped in like sugar syrup. It penetrates through your tongue. You get a, a, a slight peppery, and then it finishes with like a cherry, and then it's just so smooth. I mean, this is some of, and I'm probably a little biased because I got... I got Frank Sinatra's picture on the wall in the lounge. I got his record playing behind me. Um, so obviously I want this to be good. Um, but this is one of my favorite bourbons that, that I've ever had. And if you ever go to a steakhouse and they have Jack Daniels, Frank Sinatra select on the menu for let's just say, I don't know, $30 a pour. I would definitely get this. You will make your dinner so much more pleasing if you have this to sip on. It just smells delicious. It tastes delicious. The price tag is is, is pretty pretty high at one fifty a bottle. But if you're a Tennessee whiskey fan, and I become more of a Jack Daniels fan as I started drinking the single barrels and the stuff. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the eighty proof stuff that you get at the bar with the Coke. But the single barrel stuff, it's very, very good, especially if you if you like whiskey and you appreciate the flavors in whiskey, you will be a fan of this Jack Daniels. And obviously, if you're going to pay 150 bucks for it, it's got to be some good whiskey. And this is some really, really good whiskey. But I would say that a lot of a lot of the reason I bought is because I'm a big fan of Frank Sinatra. So that also has some meaning to it. So I very rarely would buy a $150 bottle of whiskey. So I would say f for sure, if you're at a bar 
and you're having a great night with somebody, maybe a nice steak dinner, and you see Jack Daniels Sinatra Select, and you can actually sip it and enjoy it over conversation, do that. You don't necessarily have to go buy a bottle, um, but definitely try it. It's definitely worth trying. All right. Now, we are going to get into the 2021 players, and I'm going to do uh, similar to a mock draft. I'll go 1 through 12, 13 to 24, and we'll go round by round, and I'll tell you the players that I like and the players that I don't like, okay? But I know all of you out there are like, okay, who is your Robbie Anderson of this year? Last year, I posted Robbie Anderson was going to be the breakout player uh, that we wanted to target and sell high. But let me tell you why. And, and spoiler alert, there's no there's no exact Robbie Anderson for 2021. Those don't come around every year. The, the perfect storm for Robbie Anderson and the reason I connected the dots was even before he signed with Carolina, he decided he wanted to be a free agent. Matt Rule became the head coach in Carolina. He coached Robbie Anderson. I knew sim I knew some of the background. I said, do not rule out Robbie Anderson going to Carolina because of the relationship. And I had people on Twitter saying, no, you're crazy. Da -da. He'll, he'll go for the money. Da -da. He signed with Carolina. All right. So I started diving in even more. Okay. So Matt Rule was the coach at Temple. Robbie Anderson was there. Robbie Anderson has like receiving records at Temple. If you go back and you watch the tape, Matt Rule used Robbie Anderson all over the field. He wasn't just a deep threat. Uh, he came to the NFL and he excelled at the deep at, at the deep ball because he ran like a four two nine forty. Of course he's gonna be a deep threat. The Jets didn't really know how to use him. Um, I felt like Matt Rowe was going to use him the way he used him at Temple. He was going super late in drafts. I mean, it was just obvious to me. I didn't understand how he could not finish as a top 25 wide receiver. Uh, so I was pushing him, and, and, and a lot of people laughed at me. But, you know, they didn't really dive into the to the details, right? A lot of people uh, that you listen to or a lot of the people that, that uh, are on Twitter – just kind of look at surface level things. They don't really dive in. Um, and what I try to do is I try to dive in. So if I were to say that there's a Robbie Anderson of this year, and I don't think there is an exact Robbie Anderson of this year that you're going to get super late that's going to bring you the value that he did. But if there's two, there's two players that I really like that I think can really exceed their value. Um, and the first one is Matthew Stafford. Okay, Matthew Stafford was going high last year in, in fantasy drafts on Detroit. Uh, now he is in Los Angeles, and I don't see how there's any way that Matthew Stafford doesn't have a career season and he doesn't finish top seven, top five in fantasy football at six-point passing touchdown. Okay, now remember, if you're in leagues where it's four points touchdowns, Matthew Stafford is not going to be as valuable as a six-point touchdown league, right? If you're in four-point touchdown league, you want to target quarterbacks that have that rushing upside because you want to get those rushing yards. Uh, and every quarterback or every touchdown that they throw is going to be four points. Every touchdown that they run is going to be six points. Now, if Matthew Stafford is in a, a four-point touchdown league, and let's just say he throws 40 touchdowns, right? 
that's only 160 points, all right? Versus if it was six points per touchdown and he threw 40, you're talking about 240 points. So there's a big difference of six-point touchdowns and four-point touchdowns. So when I say Matthew Stafford could finish top five, top seven, I'm talking about six-point touchdown leagues because he's not going to have that great rushing upside, but he is going to have that high touchdown pass upside. I mean, in Detroit, he's never surpassed 30 touchdowns in a season, but he's going to an offense where Sean McVay made Jared Goff a very relevant quarterback right? And Jared Goff never had a deep ball. Matthew Stafford is probably one of the best improvisation quarterbacks in the NFL. When things break down, he can make plays happen. He's got Robert Woods. He's got Cooper Cup. He's got Deshaun Jackson. He's got Van Jefferson. He's got Tyler Higby. Uh, he's got the up-and-comer Jacob Harris. There are players. They just traded for Sony Michelle. There are so much talent around Matthew Stafford and Cam Akers, in my opinion, Cam Akers was going to take the bulk of the, the goal line carries, the rushing yards. You know, I thought there was a good possibility Cam Akers could be in the top 10 in rushing yards, top 10 in touchdowns. I don't think Darrell Henderson is that player. So what that does is that creates more opportunity for Matthew Stafford. And last year, Tom Brady finished as quarterback seven with an injured Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, um, Antonio Brown half the season. If everybody in Los Angeles can stay healthy, Matthew Stafford should exceed what Tom Brady did last season and at the minimum finished as a top seven quarterback, probably top five in my opinion. So in six points per touchdown leagues for quarterbacks, one quarterback league, it's a no-brainer. I want Stafford. He's my target. I'm going to let other players uh, take quarterbacks early. I'm going to stack running backs. I'm going to stack receivers. I'm going to get my guy TJ Hawkinson, and then I'm going to get Matthew Stafford later in drafts. Um, Superflex, obviously you want to have two good quarterbacks. You want to have at least one quarterback with that rushing upside. So, you know, it's a different strategy, but... Like we mentioned last year, I think I was mentioning Tom Brady in like 8th or ninth rounds. We like Tom Brady in the 8th or ninth round. Same thing with Matthew Stafford. I think he could finish around quarterback 7, quarterback 5. Uh, it's no Robbie Anderson, but um, if he's falling in your drafts, he's a quarterback that I definitely want to target. Second, the next player who I think could exceed expectations, probably not as dramatic as Robbie Anderson did, but... I think he could far exceed uh, where he's being drafted. And that's Buccaneer running back Gio Bernard. Okay. Tom Brady has basically taken the reins of the Buccaneers and become the coach and, and has told them who he wants, who he doesn't want. The trade for Leonard Fournette last year, I 100% believe that Tom Brady was the choreographer to executing that trade to get Leonard Fournette into Tampa because he didn't trust Ronald Jones pass blocking. You know, Ronald Jones has only been in the seat in the league for two, three years. Tom Brady wanted someone, um, you know, that was more established as a starter, right? Ronald, Ronald Jones ha has been rotating with Peyton Barber and, and he just could not grab grapple or, or grip or however you want to say he could not stranglehold that starting 
that that job. And I don't think Tom Brady trusted him, so they brought in Leonard Fournette. And they were actually going to cut Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was sloppy at practice. He didn't have the work ethic. The Bucks were on the verge of cutting Leonard Fournette. And then Ronald Jones came down with COVID-19, so they had to keep uh, Leonard Fournette. And then when the playoffs came, Leonard Fournette showed out. He earned his paycheck, absolutely uh, crushed it in the playoffs. They re-signed him. They brought everybody back from that Super Bowl team. They brought Ronald Jones back. Obviously, he's still on his rookie deal. But Tom Brady said, you know what? I need a back that I can throw the football to because Leonard Fournette's not that good. Ronald Jones is not that good. I need someone that I can rely on, okay? James White just signed with, re-signed with the Patriots. Tom Brady hand-selected Giovanni Bernard to come from Cincinnati to the Bucks, And in no season has Giovanni Bernard ever had less than 35 receptions. And I believe he's already going to be penciled in as, as a third down back and possibly even the goal line back. I think Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones is going to battle out for, for first and second down. But I think there's a range of outcomes where Giovanni Bernard could just be the more consistent player and Tom Brady wants him on the field. He's not going to have that big playability, but he's going to be everywhere that Tom Brady expects him to be. He's going to be at a pass block. He's going to be able to be a safety valve out of the backfield. You know, early in the in the game, probably first quarter, second quarter, they're going to let, you know, Leonard Fournette play, Ronald Jones play, because obviously they want to try to get some big plays, score early. But when it gets crunch time, when it gets third quarter, fourth quarter, I would not be surprised if Gio, Giovanni Bernard is in the game the majority of the time. He's in the two-minute offense. He's at the goal line. He's on third downs. He is the guy that Tom Brady wants to have in the backfield when it matters. And I think that Giovanni Bernard is going to far exceed his draft status. I want Giovanni Bernard on all my teams. I mean, he's very cheap. You can draft him, put him in your flex, all right? If he produces, then you just leave him in your flex. If he doesn't produce, then it didn't cost you much, right? That's what we're trying to do. Late in drafts, we're trying to find people that will far exceed their value and help us win a fantasy title in 2021. All right, so those are my two players that I think could far exceed their value. I mean, it's almost like a breakout, right? Breakout episode, but um, they're they're not exactly Robbie Anderson that I'm su- supremely confident on the, the the situation because he came over as a free agent. Things just lined up perfectly for him. Maybe in 2022 we'll have one, uh, but this year I don't quite see that player. Um, so that's who I'm going with. And if you want to listen to what I say, then target Matt Stafford and Giovanni Bernard in your drafts. Now, as we go into these rankings, I want you to know that this year, in 2021, I want to go running back heavy. And if you don't want to go running back heavy, I completely understand that. But I want to get three running backs that have top six potential, right? And we're looking for wide, or running backs that have the pass catching upside, as well as the bell cow role on their team. I don't really want running backs that are going to split carries unless I'm not confident that the player that they're going to split carries with is actually going to be a threat to them. Um, And players like Antonio Gibson. I don't know if J.D. McKissick is going to be that big of a threat like he was last year. Um, And we'll get into that. But 
I'm okay with passing on wide receivers like Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill. And that could come back to bite me. But we saw those players have excellent seasons last year. Excellent seasons last year. So as they move up in the rankings, it's almost as if we're drafting those players at their ceilings. What we want to do is we want to try to find wide receivers that are going to exceed where we're drafting them so we can have someone like last year, Stephon Diggs, right? Somebody that is going to go late in drafts that is going to exceed their value. That's how you win your fantasy leagues. Your first first round, second round pick, those likely you're going to be drafting those players at their ceilings. But when you're in your third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, you're trying to get players that potentially could be top five at their position, if not top one at their position, right? So we're going for for ceiling. Now, we're already seeing a bunch of injuries, right, for running backs. We've already seen Travis Etienne out for the season, Cam Akers out for the season. And there's going to be more running backs get injured, right? And you've heard the zero RB strategy. And basically, to me, that is like a lucky strategy because you're not drafting any running back because you know running backs are going to get hurt. That's the only smart aspect of the no running back strategy is that you know that the running backs are going to get hurt. So you have to hope you're going to draft the running back that benefits from that injury, right? So if you're going no running backs and you happen to draft Darrell Henderson and then Cam Akers gets hurt, oh, zero running back strategy. I told you so, right? Or you're drafting James Robinson hoping that Travis Etienne gets hurt, then you're like, oh, look at me, zero running back strategy. I told you so. That is basically, to me, it's just a lucky strategy because there's no skill involved in fading running backs, hoping that someone gets injured, and then riding that injury to a championship. Can it happen? It can absolutely happen. But I don't want to go into my drafts the drafts I look forward to all season long and saying, I'm just going to draft my running backs hoping that the starters get injured. That's just not a confident draft strategy that I have. Now, with that being said, I will tell you, if we're going to go into drafts, all right, and your home league is going to be completely different than a huge tournament, right? If you're going into a tournament, it's different than your home league because you can recover from mistakes much easier in a home league than you can in a tournament. So if you're going to go, let's just say you're in a tournament and you're going to go running backs early, right? You're going to bet that these running backs are going to stay healthy, okay? Then later in the draft, you are going to target running backs that if the running back in front of them gets injured, those players can propel you to a huge win in tournaments. So players like if you don't take Dalvin Cook, right, later in drafts, you take Madison in case something happens to Cook. If you don't take Chubb and you take Kareem Hunt, you're betting that something could happen to Hunt, right? Players like Jarek McKinnon in Kansas City, if Clyde Edwards goes down, um, there, there's all type of running backs that you can take the handcuffs to that if something happens to them, 
that could propel you to a championship. Like in a home league, I'm not going to take Tony Pollard, right? I don't care about Tony Pollard in a home league because that doesn't matter to me because I can find players up the waiver wire or my draft is good enough that I, I'm fine without Tony Pollard. However, if you're in a huge tournament and you go running backs and you don't have Zeke and later in drafts you take a player like Tony Pollard because if something happens to Zeke, then Tony Pollard becomes a league winner and you can pair him with the studs that you already drafted early in the drafts. So you have to have the different strategies. You don't want to go in your home league and draft Zeke Elliott and then handcuff him with Tony Pollard. That that doesn't matter, right? You'd be better off taking a shot at, at a different player than Pollard and hope that player goes off than you know, ensuring that Zeke Elliott is covered if, if he gets hurt. Because you're going to be able to recover in your home league. Now, if you're taking Zeke Elliott in a uh, tournament, you also don't want to take Tony Pollard because you're basically wasting a pick to ensure that Zeke Elliott in that Dallas backfield is covered. What you want to do in a big tournament is you want to take Zeke Elliott and, and you're betting, if you're taking Zeke Elliott early, you're betting that he's going to stay healthy all season. So then later in drafts, instead of taking Tony Pollard, you're taking guys like um, Jarek McKinnon or um, other running back backups, uh, Madison, um, A.J. Dillon, players that if the starter in front of them gets injured, you have a league winner on your hands, all right? You're not going to handcuff in a tournament. You're not going to handcuff in your, your neighborhood league. You're going to go for best players available. If something happens to the starter, you're going to be ready to capitalize on that. Does that make sense? All right. Cheers. So let's start. Our mock draft and this could go on for hours so i hope you're ready for this this could go on for two three hours i haven't done a lot of podcasts this year i've been really focusing on the bourbon bowl 21 we got five leagues i've been trying to focus on my patrons love the patrons appreciate the the support if you want to be a patron go to patreon backslash rota lounge um that's where i'm really Putting my information, we did the rookie breakdowns. Uh, you know, I'm doing some some sleeper breakdowns uh, for the patrons. So I haven't done a lot of podcasts this year, so I might as well do a three hour podcast and tell you my thoughts on the season. So that way, you know where I stand, and whether you agree or disagree, maybe I can say something that that you agree with or that makes you think and can help you win a fantasy title in 2021. All right, so let's start off the top 12. In most drafts, you see Christian McCaffrey go number one. All right, this is exactly what I was just talking about. So if you have the number one overall pick, you're going to go Christian McCaffrey, right? And I support Christian McCaffrey as the number one overall pick. You're not going to take Chuba Hubbard later in drafts because if you're investing the number one overall pick, you're just – putting all your money that Christian McCaffrey is going to stay healthy. Now, let's just say you have the 12th pick in your draft and you don't have a chance at Christian McCaffrey. That's when late in drafts, you would take a player like Chuba Hubbard because if something happens to Christian McCaffrey, 
Now you have the unquestioned starter in Carolina and Chuba Hubbard. Now, I'm not saying that Chuba is Christian McCaffrey. However, Mike Davis last year, if you had him, he helped you get to the playoffs. Possibly he helped you win a fantasy championship. And you're not taking Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis last year, right? So if you don't get Christian McCaffrey, you should try to focus on getting Chuba Hubbard late in drafts as an insurance policy in case something happens to a league mate who has Christian McCaffrey. And then, hey, you might even be able to trade Chuba Hubbard if you want to, right? Or you're going to be able to easily put him in your flex spot or even a starting role uh, and, and let him play and see what he does. So that's the strategy that you want to do. But if we're going number one overall, Christian McCaffrey has the supreme upside of scoring 25 points a week. He's got the receiving upside. He has the rushing upside. Before he got injured, he was like 90%, 95% of the offensive snaps for Carolina. An absolute bell cow can do it all. Um, so I know he got injured last year, but if we're going number one, he has the best chance, in my opinion, to just be able to put it all together. Now, if you want to go Dalvin Cook number one, I can't blame you. Dalvin Cook has been tremendous the last two seasons. I pegged him as a breakout two years ago. I actually was fading him last year. I just didn't think he could do it two years in a row, but he did. So let's go with him again. You know, let's go with him again. The number two overall pick, I would I would be happy with Dalvin Cook at the number two overall pick. Now, number three overall right now, um, according to consensus, is Alvin Kamara. All right. I am not taking Alvin Kamara at number three overall. Um, I didn't take him last year high, and I know he had that six-touchdown game, and he propelled whoever had him basically into the championship game. That is a fluke, right? You can't plan for that. That That is just what fantasy football is all, all about. It's just part of the game, right? Nobody knows someone's going to come out and score four, five, six touchdowns in one week. It just happens, all right? I'm a little worried about who the quarterback for New Orleans is going to be. You know, people are praising Jameis Winston. People are talking about this LASIK eye surgery, and he's such a better quarterback. No, listen, 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 listen. I was a Buccaneer season ticket holder. I watched Jameis Winston in college. I watched Jameis Winston in the pros. Do not, do not, I repeat, do not put – any type of confidence in what Jameis Winston does in the preseason, okay? His LASIK eye surgery was to to fix a cyst on his eye. He had, uh, sh- what's that called, um, short-term vision or whatever. It's like nearsightedness, right? That has nothing to do with how bad of a quarterback he is. The reason Jameis Winston is bad is because when he's in the pocket and he's pressured, he panics and he throws the football up. So, yes, he may have some good preseason games, and he has some good preseason games for Tampa. But just because he threw two touchdown passes to Marquez Callaway, do not go by Marquez Callaway and do not go by Jameis Winston because of that game, okay? I'm not convinced that Jameis is going to be the starter, I'm more convinced that Taysom Hill is going to rotate with Jameis Winston. And if Taysom Hill rotates anytime he's in the game, it's going to take away from Alvin Kamara's production. When Taysom Hill was in the game, Alvin Kamara had very, very low um, 
fantasy production. He didn't touch the ball as much. Uh, he didn't get goal line carries. He doesn't get the dump offs. And Alvin Kamar has never rushed for a thousand yards in the NFL. He's all about the receptions. He's all about the touchdowns. And if Taysom Hill's in the game, it's going to take away from Alvin Kamara's fantasy production. So because of that, I can't invest a top three pick in Alvin Kamara. And instead of taking him, I would take Zeke Elliott. I would take Zeke Elliott number three overall. And the reason I would take Zeke Elliott, and I was high on Zeke last year, and I was I was high on Dak last year. Dak was the guy that we wanted. But listen, Dak hurt his ankle. All right, Dak has been out of football for a full year. I was trying to tell people to avoid Dak this season. People were were clamoring that Dak was quarterback one, quarterback two, quarterback three. Does he have the potential to be that? Absolutely, he does. But the NFL is the best of the best, okay? When you sit out a full season, you can't just come back and act like it was no big deal, and you're just going to step right in and be the same stud that you were a year ago. It doesn't work that way. You have to throw so much. You have to run so much. So that's going to set you up for for arm injuries. That's going to set you up for leg injuries. That's going to set you up for soft tissue injuries. And, and what did we see in preseason? He already injured his shoulder because of throwing the football at the NFL level and throwing it over and over and over again. He, he has a baseball injury in his shoulder. I think that they're going to have to monitor that all season long, and that's what I was afraid of. And I think that the Cowboys are going to rely more on Zeke than they did last year when Dak was healthy. I remember watching Dak in one of the weeks. I don't know if it was week two or week three. They're at the goal line. Zach or Dak is trying to get that contract. I think two plays in a row he audible to a quarterback sneak so that he could score a touchdown. And I'm watching them saying, you know what, Dak, you're just trying to pad your stats so that you and your agent have a case to get you a bigger contract, right? I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think that when the goal line carries come, they're going to be for for Zeke. They're not going to want Dak to carry the football. I think they're going to want to ride Zeke. I mean, obviously, Dak's going to have a decent season. I think he's going to have a decent season as long as he stays healthy. But I think the Cowboys are going to ride Zeke more. Their offensive line is healthy. Dak is is semi-healthy, so that means that they can't stack the boxes. All right, I think he's going to throw more screen passes or more, you know, uh, passes to the running back. Uh, That's going to be easier on his shoulder. I think they're going to hand the ball to Zeke more. I think they're going to let him ride in the goal line more. So I'm taking Zeke Elliott at number three over Alvin Kamara. Um, And I'm going to drop Alvin Kamara down in my rankings. Number four is uh, Devontae Adams, and I'm not a big fan of Devontae Adams. Last year, right, I wasn't a fan of him last year either. Aaron Rodgers had a career season, and when you look at quarterbacks, we have really good quarterbacks in the NFL, but, and they translate year over year over year, but to get that QB1, QB2, QB3, those quarterbacks have to have like career years, right? Aaron Rodgers had a career season last year, a 9.0 touchdown uh, passing rate. Um, you know, he's not going to repeat that. Josh Allen, career season, right? Before that, Lamar Jackson, career season. Patrick Mahomes, career season. These quarterbacks are good, and they're going to translate year over year. 
But the top quarterbacks in 2021 are going to be quarterbacks that have career seasons, right? I don't know who that's going to be, but I don't think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers again. I don't think it's going to be Josh Allen again, right? Um, You know, I do suspect that it possibly could be Kyler Murray this year. Um, But you have to try to plan for the future and not just go off the pass. So I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is going to have that type of season again. And I think in Devontae Adams' career, he's only had two seasons of 1,000 yards, right? So that is very high to take Devontae Adams at fourth overall. And let me tell you, I want to go running back, running back this year. I want to go running back heavy. And I want to take players that I think can be in the top six and I'm going to take wide receivers later in the draft. So I'm going to pass on Devontae Adams. I'd rather have Zeke Elliott, right? I'd rather have Alvin Kamara than Devontae Adams. And next is Derrick Henry, right? Derrick Henry last year rushed for 2,000 yards. Uh, he still, I think, finished around running back five. I don't even know how you get better than that. So I can't imagine that he's going to do much better than than running back five. So if we're drafting him at five or six, we're basically drafting him at his ceiling. If you want a safe running back, I guess you can take him. Um, but we're looking for running backs that can finish as that number one overall back. I'm not quite sure if Henry can do that. Um, now, barring some injuries ahead of him, he can definitely finish as number one back. Um, but if everyone stays healthy, um, I just can't see him eclipsing uh, one, two, or three um, in fantasy. But but we will see. If you like Derrick Henry, definitely take him. He hasn't had any injuries through his career. Um, so hopefully he can keep that streak alive and, and make another run at 2,000 yards rushing. He doesn't have very much receiving upside, so if you are in a PPR league, uh, he, he's not that valuable as far as receptions. Now, a player that I like that's in the second round is Saquon Barkley. Saquon's going around um, pick number 11. Uh, That's like running back eight. I think Saquon Barkley has potential to finish in the top three running backs this year. You know, I don't know if Joe Judge understands social media. But Saquon Barkley is posting all these videos of him running at the beach and his, his rehab and all of us on social media are seeing this and we understand where Saquon Barkley is in his rehab. And Joe judge comes out like we don't even have computers. And he's like, well, we're not quite sure where Saquon Barkley is in his rehab. So we're just going to take it slow. Come on. Do you think we're that stupid? Like we know he's ready. So quit bullshitting us. We already know Joe Judge is a joke. He's having his players run laps. Like, what is this, high school football? Come on, man. Put Saquon Barkley in there. He's your number four or number, what what was he, number two overall pick? Put him in there. Let him play. He's the reason your team is going to be relevant. And if you leave him on the bench, your team is going to be irrelevant and you're going to lose your job. So I would not be scared of Saquon Barkley in 2021 i think he can finish as a top three running back and if he's fallen to round two i mean that's an act that was that's an absolute joke uh right now it looks like he's going as player 11 so at the end of the first round 
Um, I would take that value all day long. Uh, next up, according to this rank, I mean, he's 11, so I just talked about him. But number seven on this is Austin Eckler. And the only reason that I would draft Austin Eckler is because he just posted on Twitter that if you draft him and you win your weekly league, send a po- send a photo, tag him, and you're eligible for an autograph jersey of his. For those reasons alone, I want to draft Austin Eckler in my neighborhood leagues. But if I'm not in a neighborhood league and if I'm in a tournament league, I just don't know if I can trust him. I mean, he he seems to get injured every year. He had that one great season, but every other season after that, it seems like he misses time. And I know we can't plan for injuries, but we can prepare for injuries. And I just don't want to take Austin Eckler at seventh overall with the chance that he's going to get injured. And unless I'm in a neighborhood league where I, I know that I can recover, right? I can recover if I make a mistake. Um, I'll, I'll take Austin Eckler. I'll screenshot every time I win. I'll tag him. Maybe I can win an autographed jersey. Um, but again, there's thousands of people trying to do that. So so the odds of him staying healthy are probably the same odds of him sending me his autographed jersey. And that's not likely. So I definitely would rather have a lot of players over Austin Eckler. Now, if he falls in drafts, he's got the receiving upside. He's got the rushing upside. Uh, they're going to be you know, running a similar offense to the Saints. So, you know, Austin Eckler is probably going to be um, running an Alvin Kamara type role. So there is there is a one-off chance that Austin Eckler could finish as the running back one, right? He could finish as like an Alvin Kamara, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, so if I miss out on Austin Eckler being the RB1, I'm okay with that because I think there's equal opportunity or equal chance that Austin Eckler could finish as running back 31 um, just because of his injury history. So if you like Austin Eckler, take him. The Chargers are going to have a really good offense, and if he can stay healthy, he's going to produce very well. I'm just concerned that you know he, he might miss time, and players like Joshua Kelly or Roundtree um, could – you know, fill in for him and take some of those fantasy points. So I'm passing on Eckler because there's other running backs that I'd rather have this this early. And especially I'd like I'd like to have Saquon over Austin Eckler. Next up is Aaron Jones at number eight. Uh Aaron Jones, um I talked about this on Twitter. Um Aaron Jones has been injured throughout his entire career starting in college. I think as a freshman he missed two or three games um, as a sophomore, uh, I think he didn't miss any games. As a junior, he he played two games. He injured his ankle, I believe. He was out for the entire season. Came back as a senior, played every game. Um, that is what created a little bit of draft capital. I believe that he fell in the, uh, the NFL draft because of injury concerns. Um, he came in the NFL. His rookie season, he hurt his ankle. He sprained his MCL, missed a few games, came back, uh, sprained the MCL again, I believe. They, they took him out for the season. Came back the next year. He wasn't hyped because of that injury history. Broke out, um, finished as, I think, the uh, top five RB, I think it was. Came back the next year, missed a few games. Last year, he missed two games. 
He was injured in the NFC Championship game, uh, had a chest injury. So it, it seems like he gets injured quite often. And I just don't think, I mean, we can project him to get all these touches with Jamal Williams out, but I don't think he can take the beating of getting that many carries, that many touches. I think that he needs a running back to spell him and give him a break um, or else, you know, he will miss time with injuries. So because of that, I'm going to pass on Aaron Jones, okay? And this is where you take someone like A.J. Dillon late because if something were to happen to Aaron Jones, right, A.J. Dillon would be the beneficiary. He would take over a full-time role in that backfield, right? I think he would be split in time with Kylan Hill or Dexter Williams or, you know, some some other nobodies. I mean, I, I figured they would probably split. If something happened to Aaron Jones, I'm, I'm going to guess A.J. Dillon and Kylan Hill would probably split the role. But even if Aaron Jones does stay healthy, I think A.J. Dillon is going to have some type of role in that offense. I'm not, not quite sure what it is. But someone that has an injury history, history like Aaron Jones – and last year and the year before, it didn't really bite us like like in years past. But it's so quick to happen. And if he gets injured and you take him at, at number eight overall, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to recover from that. So I'm just going to pass on him. There's some other running backs that I like, um, especially Saquon. Saquon's below him. I would rather have Saquon over uh, Aaron Jones. Um, I'd rather have Najee Harris over Aaron Jones. Um, I'd probably even rather have Antonio Gibson over Aaron Jones. So I'm going to skip Aaron Jones, let my league mates take him, uh, and focus on some other running backs later. Next up, wide receiver Tyree Kill. Um, I think Tyree Kill is a stud in that offense. Um, but again, I want to go running back heavy to start the draft because I don't think there's very many of them that can finish you know, top six. But I think that they're spread out to where we can get two or three running backs that could finish top six. So I'm going to pass on Tyreek Hill, let my league mates take him. I'm going to pass on Stephon Diggs. I'm going to let my league mates take him. I'm going to pass on DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to let my league mates take him because I'm going running backs. I'm going to go Saquon Barkley before them. I'm going to go Zeke Elliott before them. Um... So I'm going to pass on those running backs or on those wide receivers because I want to go running back heavy. Now, 13 overall is Calvin Ridley. And the new coach in Atlanta, the new coach in Atlanta is not showing anybody his hand and what that offense is going to look like. And let me tell you something. People want to talk about the splits with Calvin Ridley with Hulu in the lineup, without Hulu in the lineup, okay? And, and, oh, well, Calvin Ridley did this without Julio. But let me tell you something. When when these defensive coordinators start coming up with game plans, all right, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's two weeks in advance, right? They start putting the blueprint down, how are we going to stop this team? Regardless whether Hulu Jones was healthy or injured, Defensive coordinators had to prepare like Julio Jones was going to play. They had to come up with a game plan if Julio was going to play. Now, if Julio was a scratch and Julio didn't play, yes, they can change the game plan the day of the game. However, they've spent week 
or two weeks, depending if it was a bye week or not, planning on as if Julio Jones was going to play and planning on as if Calvin Ridley was going to play. So if a player is out, yes, it seems like on paper that, that they're, that's beneficial, but their game plan doesn't always replicate that. So even though Julio Jones was injured, defensive coordinators had to plan that he was going to play because, again, you don't know if it's smoke screens. You don't know if he's really injured. You don't know what these coaches are 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 you know are trying to play this game of chess. Now, with that being said, Julio Jones is gone, so there's no chess to be played. Defensive coordinators know Julio Jones is gone. Calvin Ridley is the number one wide receiver, and Kyle Pitts is the other offensive threat. All right. I'm just some guy drinking whiskey in my basement talking fantasy football. But if I was a defensive coordinator, <clears throat> if I was a defensive coordinator, you better damn bet that I am putting my best cornerback on Calvin Ridley. I am shattering him with a safety. I am putting my best cornerback on Kyle Pitts, shattering him with a linebacker. I'm going to have a cornerback blitz Matt Ryan on every passing down. And I'm going to have the my other linebacker shadow Mike Davis, who's the not even a fucking threat to run the football. Mike Davis. Seriously? Like, to me, I think Atlanta's offense is going to be the easiest offense to shut down this year. And I don't know if the, the coach, I think is Nick Sariana, I don't know if he realizes this or not, and maybe that's why he doesn't want to show any of his offense. Because all you got to do is shut down Calvin Ridley, and you basically shut down the offense, right? Put some pressure on Matt Ryan. He's older. He's not He's not mobile. Cornerback blitz him. Double team Kyle Pitts. Shadow Calvin Ridley, right? They're going to have some plays here and there, but – don't let them beat you. And I think that, I think with all this being said, this is very long-winded. And I've drunk a lot of whiskey. And I've drunk some wine. So if you're already tuned out, I'm not mad at you. But if you're still tuned in, I think that Atlanta could be the disappointment of the season in fantasy football. Um, and that could be a severe hot take. That could come back to bite me in my ass. But I'm I'm fading Calvin Ridley and I'm fading Kyle Pitts. All right. I think that I would much rather have other players than those guys. And I'm I'm fading Calvin Ridley at, at the 13th overall pick because I'm just not convinced that if defensive coordinators try to focus on stopping him that he can beat them. He's no Julio Jones, he's no Calvin Johnson. I don't think he can overcome a top corner and a shadow. Now, we'll see if I'm right or wrong, but my thought process is that I should fade Calvin Ridley and I should fade the Atlanta offense, and that's what I'm going to do, damn it. I don't care what you say. I'm going to fade Atlanta offense. That's Kyle Pitts. That's everybody's favorite tight end that they will fucking do anything for this guy. I'm fading his ass. I'm fading Calvin Ridley. I'm fading Mike Davis unless you get him in like the 15th round. I'm fading the entire offense, Okay. There's just no reason to invest in them. There's just no reason to invest in them. There's so many other players um, on high-octane offenses that aren't going to be focused on 
than to spend them on the Falcons. So that's my rant on the Falcons. If you love Ridley, I apologize. I don't mean to offend you, but I am fading Calvin Ridley this year. Next up, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is going in like round one, pick three of Superflex tight end premium leagues. Just absolutely crazy. I've been playing this game long enough that I remember back, I think it was like 2012, when Rob Gronkowski was so much better than every other tight end that you had to take him in the first round. It's like you got to take Gronk in the first round. He's just so much of a positional advantage. You've got to take him. Well, that shit didn't work. I think he got injured that year. Like you can't take a tight end that early. I don't even care if it's tight end premium. Because if it's tight end premium, you need to be focusing on TJ Hawkinson because he's cheaper, he's going to be the focus of the offense, and he has potential to be a Travis Kelsey, a George Kittle type in year three. So I'm not taking Travis Kelsey early because I love TJ Hawkinson, and I'm going TJ Hawkinson in the third round, in the fourth round. I got to have TJ Hawkinson. So I'm not taking Travis Kelsey. Next up, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we dropped Jonathan Taylor based on Carson Wentz's injury, based on uh, Quentin Nelson's injury, but it seems like they're healthy. So I'm okay with taking Jonathan Taylor. I'm not as excited as other running backs because I don't see that receiving upside. If something happened to Naheem Himes, I would be much more inclined to take Jonathan Taylor, but... With Hines there, I, I just it's just so hard. I mean, I think Taylor's an absolute stud, and I'd love to take him later in drafts. I think last year we were getting him in round three or round four. This year you got to take him, you know, beginning of round two. That's very very early for me. Love him in dynasty, absolutely love him in dynasty. We got him in rookie drafts, um, but when you're talking about redraft seasonal leagues, it's hard to invest a second round pick in him um, when he might be sharing that receiving upside with Naheem Himes. Next up, Nick Chubb. Love Nick Chubb. Love Nick Chubb. I think he have a really, really, really good season. Um, but, you know, he's not a receiver out of the backfield. Kareem Hunt is there. Um, but they love to run the football. They're going to lean on him. He's always a candidate to hit 2,000 yards rushing. Um, he could supplant... Derrick Henry as the best running back with little to no receiving upside. So I do like Nick Chubb, but there's other running backs that I like better. Um, so if you like Chubb, take him. But I like guys like Najee better. I like guys like Antonio Gibson better just because they have that receiving upside. Uh, I think they're going to be focal points of their offense, and they can catch. And one catch is 10 yards from Nick Chubb. So even if... Najee Harris gets one catch for one yard. You know, that Nick Chubb needs to get one carry for 10 yards to equal that. Um, so you you like to go with those running backs with the receiving upside, especially in PPR formats. If it's non-PPR, then yes, absolutely. Nick Chubb goes up in the rankings if it's non-PPR because he's a, a running machine and receptions don't matter. So if it's a non-PPR standard league, Nick Chubb is much more valuable than players like Najee or Antonio Gibson because he's going to get the bulk of the carries and 
Cleveland, I believe, has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and they're going to be run heavy. He's going to get plenty of opportunities. And again, he could push for 2,000 yards if he stays healthy. He's that good. All right, next up, number 17. All right, we're in round two now. Obviously, we were in round two once we hit pick 13, which was Calvin Ridley. Justin Jefferson. You know if you listen to me that we love Justin Jefferson. We love him. Last year, we said he could end up being uh, Kirk Cousins' favorite target. Um, obviously, we saw him break out. He always has a chip on his shoulder. He came out in the offseason and said, you know what? You didn't even give me rookie of the year. I'm going to show you why you made a mistake. He hurt his shoulder, but he's back already. Justin Jefferson is going to ball out. Justin Jefferson is going to ball out. So if you have a chance to take him, take him. He's fun to watch, right? He, he's going to score. He's going to dance. He's going to do the the gritty, right? He, he's going to be a fun player to root for. So fantasy football is all about having fun. So get yourself some Justin Jefferson. Um, you won't regret it. All right, next up, DK Metcalf. Last year, my mock draft, I said I wasn't sold on DK Metcalf, but if he did it for two years in a row, I would change my tune. And boy, have I changed my tune. He's three years into the league. He's gotten better every single season. I was a doubter, but you can't have a position where you can't accept that that you're wrong, right? Sometimes we're wrong. I didn't think that he was going to be an NFL player. He, he had a very mediocre college career he was injured he came into the pros he's dominated his size his speed he he has he has questionable hands he has questionable route running ability but he's fucking big and he's fucking fast right and and that's what matters because russell wilson is going to get him the football and he's going to outrun people and he's going to outjump people and he's going to outmaneuver people and he's going to outstrengthen people DK Metcalf, this might be a hot take. DK Metcalf could far exceed where he's going at wide receiver seven. I mean, DK Metcalf could push for wide receiver one. I mean, he. I think he has that type of skill set in that type of offense. Now, if he was on someone like Cleveland or, um, I don't know, um, Detroit, right, he would not push for that. But the fact that the offensive coordinator now, offensive coordinator for the Seattle now is from the Rams. They're installing a quick hurry up offense. I think Russ is going to pass a lot more this year. I think DK Metcalf is going to get the ball a lot more. So in this scenario, opportunity is king. Volume is king. And I think DK Metcalf could get enough volume to where he could he could definitely challenge for a top five wide receiver, right? So I made a tweet. Go ahead and take your Devontae Adams. Take your Tyree Kills. Take your Stephon Diggs. Take your DeAndre Hopkins and your Calvin Ridley's. Give me Justin Jefferson. Give me DK Metcalf. Give me Terry McLaurin. Give me Jerry Judy. Give me some of these young receivers that are going to eventually take over and be the dogs that we draft every season. The torch is going to be handed over. These guys, these Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalfs, these guys are going to ball out this season. 
and they're going later in draft. So if we're going running back, running back, okay? I don't know if we can get Jefferson in the round three. I don't know if we can get DK Metcalf in round three. Likely we can't. We might be able to get TJ or um, Terry McLaurin in round three. But if you want to go running back first and then you want to go a receiver like Jefferson or, or Metcalf and then a running back in round three, that is just an equal uh, successful strategy in my opinion because I think Jefferson and Metcalf I think could be two of the top wide receivers in the league in 2021. We could be talking about them next year as the one and two or, or top three, four, five wide receivers in the NFL um, after this season. <clears throat> next up, Darren Waller. Uh, last year, I was said, you know what? Darren Waller, he was good. Um, but, you know, they drafted Ruggs, and they had Tyra Williams, and they had Hunter Renfro, and they had Brian Edwards, and Lynn Bowden, and boy, was I wrong. Because Darren Waller just completely balled out. A lot of people are on Darren Waller this year. I mean, I don't know how I can tell you not to be on Darren Waller this year. The only reason that I am not on Darren Waller this year is because I love TJ Hawkinson. And I am putting all my eggs in the TJ Hawkinson basket. And I'm planning to get him in like round four. I'm taking him around four because I have to have him. Um, and that's the only reason that I'm passing on Darren Waller. So I'm going running back, running back, or receiver, and tight end. I posted on Twitter, if I had a dream scenario, it would be running back, running back, Terry McLaurin, and TJ Hawkinson. Actually, if I had the best case scenario, it would be something similar to like, let's just say you don't get number one overall. It would be like Saquon, Barkley, Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, TJ Hawkinson. If I could somehow maneuver that and i don't think you would ever have a draft that good but that would be like the perfect draft the three running backs that would just completely ball out a great wide receiver and a tight end who i think can make a run at tight end one this year and we're going to draft him late and get that value to help us win that championship all right next up antonio gibson i think antonio gibson could i don't know if he's ready to be a league winner this year but i think he could Definitely a challenge for a top eight finish. Um, I think that Rivera setting him up for a Christian McCaffrey-type role. He just has to improve on his pass blocking. We know that he can catch the football, so he's got to improve his pass blocking so he can get on third down. Last year, J.D. McKissick had over 100 targets. J.D. McKissick, the same guy that Seattle cut, had 100 targets for the Redskins. He didn't all of a sudden just become good. Right. There was an opportunity there for him that I think Antonio Gibson can capitalize on this year in the second year and take some of those receptions and some of those targets from J.D. McKissick. If Antonio Gibson becomes a 60, 70, 80 target running back, as well as the first and second down ball carrier, as well as the goal line back, you're talking about a top five, top eight, top ten running back. And he's going at running back 11. So you're already getting value. If you take him at 11, he could possibly be, and I don't think it's, it's, I don't think he will this year. I don't think he'll finish as running back one this year. I think that's in his range of outcomes in the future seasons. But I think he definitely could 
challenge for like a top five, top six type running back um, because he's got that receiving upside. He's got the rushing ability. And that's something that I want to take, you know, in in round three um, if he falls to round three. Now, he is looks like he's going to the end of round two. So you have to make a decision if you want to take him there or not. But I do like him. Next is A.J. Brown. Uh, I think there's a scenario where A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill have a great season together. Julio Jones is there. Uh, they lost Jonu Smith. But there's other receivers I like. And I want to target running backs early. So I'm going to pass on A.J. Brown uh, this early in drafts. Keenan Allen, I think Keenan Allen could have a really good season with Justin Herbert. But I think we should target the teammate Mike Williams later in drafts um, because he's cheaper and he could also produce well if the Chargers have a really high octane offense. So we're going to pass on Keenan this early and take Mike Williams late um, just so we can have a piece of that Chargers offense. Next up is Joe Mixon. Giovanni Bernard is gone. Joe Mixon is the bell cow. Chris Evans played some preseason. He missed some pass blocks, uh, ran the wrong route. So I don't think that he's ready um, to have a significant role in the NFL. So I think Joe Mixon is the bell cow um, in Cincinnati. I think he's going to have the receiving upside. The only thing that's holding him back is injuries. If Joe Mixon did not have an injury this year, Joe Mixon could absolutely be a top five running back. There's, there's no question about it. He has the absolute upside to be that player. He just can't put it together because of injuries. And last year, Zach Taylor was trying to be cute and creative, and he brought uh, Giovanni Bernard in at the goal lines. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are you even doing this? So I don't know why he was trying to be cute, but this year he has no choice but to give Joe Mixon the football. And I love Joe Mixon this year. Um, I loved him last year, and he struggled for a little bit. He had the one game against Jacksonville where I think he had 200 yards, two or three touchdowns, really showed what he could do if once they gave him the football. Once Zach Taylor stopped being fucking cute and gave him the football, he absolutely dominated. Yes, I know it was Jacksonville's defense, but he can do half of that against any other defense, and that's still 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, if they give him the football. And I think he gave him a great season, barring injury and you know lack of competition for the ball. Next up is Allen Robinson at 24. People like Allen Robinson. I mean, he's steady Eddie. He's consistent. But the Bears have already announced Andy Dalton's the starter. I'm not sure what they're thinking. Justin Fields clearly, in my opinion, is a better quarterback, a better athlete than Andy Dalton. Maybe he's not ready uh, for the NFL, but... Uh, I'm going to I'm going to pass on Allen Robinson. I mean, again, and, and really the only reason I'm passing on him is because I'm just focused on getting running backs early. I want running backs. I want top 6 running backs, right? We're talking talking about players like Saquon Barkley and Antonio Gibson and Joe Mixon and we'll get into other running backs that I want over Allen Robinson because I think I can get receivers later that can give me similar production that Allen Robinson. I just don't think with Andy Dalton as his quarterback that Allen Robinson can finish as like the wide receiver one. Like, I just don't see that range of outcomes. Now, if 
Allen Robinson played for Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, it would be a different story because I think he has a range of outcomes to finish as like a one, two, or three wide receiver. But why am I taking him at wide receiver 10 when I really don't see much higher upside than that, right? I would rather take a player later like a Mike Williams who could finish as a top 20 wide receiver, right? And I can get him freaking eight rounds later and I can go ahead and get a stud running back in this round. So I'm passing on Allen Robinson because of that. Next, Patrick Mahomes. We're passing on Patrick Mahomes. We don't take quarterbacks this early. I talked about it, right? Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback, and he's going to be consistently a top 10 NFL quarterback. But I believe that if you go back, the top two quarterbacks never repeat year over year. And very rarely does number three repeat year over year. And although Patrick Mahomes is good, I just think we're going to see quarterbacks that have career seasons surpass him in the rankings, right? Unless he has a career season, which I don't think he's going to have, um, you're going to see guys like potentially Kyler Murray or some other quarterbacks that have career seasons pass him uh, in the rankings. So we're not going to take him early because if you take him, you know, in, in, uh, at 25, that's the beginning of round three, you know, you're betting that he's going to be the quarterback one. And I just can't bet that with all the different, you know, um, variables that happen every single year with, with injuries and breakout players and all this stuff. I just can't, I just can't with confidence say Patrick Mahomes is going to be quarterback one because there's just so much talent around him. I think he could be top 10 for sure, possibly even top five. Right, top five might even be his floor, but we don't take him at quarterback one. We don't take him at the beginning of the third round if he has a possibility of finishing as the quarterback five, because that means there's four other quarterbacks that we can take, and we can also get other studs before we take those players. So I'm passing on Patrick Mahomes there. Next is George Kittle. Last year I hyped George Kittle. I said, look, if he could just even get the ten touchdowns. 10 touchdowns, he could easily be the the tight end one. And, you know, I think Travis Kelsey is on this pedestal uh, because Kittle has been injured and, you know, Hawkinson's been young. But I think Kittle and Hawkinson are going to make a run for that that title this year. Uh, if, if Jimmy G hadn't thrown that high ball and just let that guy take his knee out, you know, who knows what would have happened last year. But Kittle was injured. I think the 49ers are changing the offense a little bit. I think they want to go with the RPO. Uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk's there. Debo's there. Uh, you know, Kittle's there. I just can't invest in Kittle this early. And a lot of that is because I love Hawkinson. And we're going to talk about Hawkinson when his name comes up. But I'm passing on any tight end until it gets to a round where I can take Hawkinson. Next up, Terry McLaurin, 27, wide receiver 11. I mean, he's really got to produce to to beat that wide receiver 11. Um, you know, we called Chris Godwin the breakout player two years ago. Last year, we said that Ridley is probably this year, that year's Calvin Ridley or that year's Chris Godwin. And I think McLaurin is probably this year's Calvin Ridley. I think now that he's got a quarterback and Ryan Fitzmagic, 
I think McLaurin's going to have a really, really good season. I mean, wide receiver 11, though. I mean, we we got we to gotta hope that he can finish as at least 10, 9, or 8. But again, I don't know what's going to happen in that offense. As much as I love McLaurin, when I'm sitting here staring at Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 11, I just think about what happens if Fitzpatrick is hurt and Heineke's in there and they got um, Adam Humphreys and they got Antonio Gibson and they got Diami and they got Curtis Samuel. They got Logan Thomas. So many, so many targets. That everything has to go right for McLaurin to to reach that um, ceiling. So if for some reason McLaurin is going in round two, I have to pass. If he's going in round three, I, I'm going to consider him. Um, but the way this works, um, below him is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which I'm passing on. Um, I just don't think that... Uh, that he can sustain it for a full season. And I'd let my league mates take Clyde Edwards, and I'm going to take um, Jared McKinnon late, right? That That's how you win your leagues. You let you go after a running back with supreme upside that if something happens to the starter, um, you have the backup. And I think McKinnon could be that. Also, if you think this is the year for Darwin Thompson, you can you know put a flyer on him. And those guys are basically free. So we're going to skip on Clyde Edwards and we're going to, you know, try to get um, the next back in case something happens to Clyde Edwards and he just doesn't pan out. Next up is Najee Harris. I absolutely love Najee Harris this year. Look, I know he's a rookie. I know he's an older rookie. I know Pittsburgh doesn't have that good of an offensive line. But the fact is they spent a first round draft pick on him and they're going to ride his ass every game. I would imagine at least 20 carries is his floor. 20 carries is his floor and probably five targets. So you're looking at 25 possible touches a game for Najee Harris. I think he could easily be a top 12 running back. Right now he's going as running back 14. So I think we can get at least some value there in in, uh, projecting him to be um, a top 12 back. And I would definitely take him over Clyde Edwards. Um... I like him. I like Mixon. I like Antonio Gibson. I like Taylor. I like Barkley. I mean, these are the running backs that I want to target early in drafts um, because I think they can all be potential top six, top six running backs um, that we can get in in the top three rounds. Um, if I could somehow, if I could somehow have a draft where I had Barkley. And either Gibson or Mixon, and then finish with Najee Harris in round three. I would be absolutely ecstatic with that start. But two is my starting running backs, one is my flex, especially if we're talking about PPR. I mean, I think those are all going to be bell cows of their offense. Um, and, and then we can find plenty of receivers later in drafts that we don't need to spend it on the Devontae Adams and the Tyree Kills. Yeah, they're going to have some really, really good games. But I want those bell cows that every week I can say, all right, I know this guy is going to be the focal point of the offense. He's going to get the ball. He's going to get receptions. He's going to get goal line carries. You know, that's what I want. I'm not trying to go zero running back. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to go hero running back and just just stack my running backs and, and, um, and then just get receivers later. Next up, pick 30. Uh, we're still in round three. Pick 30 is CeeDee Lamb. 
Uh, CeeDee Lamb has shown a lot of promise in preseason. Um, and I think from what I've heard or read that CeeDee's going to go to the outside. They're going to put Michael Gallup in the slot. And uh, Amari Cooper is going to be on the outside. Now, it's interesting to see CeeDee Lamb is going over Amari Cooper. And I think probably based, based on either hard knocks or preseason stats. Um, but I will tell you, CeeDee Lamb has looked terrific um, from what I've seen. So I will definitely not bash a CeeDee Lamb pick here um, because there is a chance he could be that guy this year. Um, but again, I mentioned earlier that I don't think that Dak is going to be the guy that everyone thinks he is. I don't think he's going to have that huge passing season. So if I'm going with a Cowboy, I'm taking Zeke early and I'm, I'm avoiding all Cowboys other than Zeke and just betting that it's a run oriented offense this year versus instead of the pass right and let Dak you know get his legs underneath him let his shoulder get healthy um and, and I'm going to bet that they're going to ride Zeke so if I'm not going Zeke and I'm going other running backs and you want to bet on the the Dallas passing offense Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb is the way to go right now CeeDee's going at wide receiver 12 in this so I mean that's 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 pretty freaking high wide receiver 12 so I'm fine passing there. If he if he gets there, those that have CD and Dynasty will will be taking victory laps, and that's fine, um, dude. It, he he's looks so good. So I'm okay with that. But I'm I'm just gonna, in my personal opinion, I'm just gonna pass on CD Lamb. Um, next up, Robert Woods. Uh, I talked about Matthew Stafford possibly being a top five, top seven quarterback, and what that means is Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are going to be top wide receivers because he's got to throw the football to somebody. Um, and if you look at the past few years, there's been several instances where a quarterback has had two wide receivers in the top 12, right? We saw Matt Ryan had uh, Julio and Ridley. We saw Kirk Cousins had Thielen and Diggs. We also saw Cousin have Thielen and Jefferson. We saw Big Ben with Juju and uh, Antonio Brown. We've seen these quarterbacks produce two wide receivers in the top 12, especially quarterbacks with no rushing upside. Right? You talk about Kirk Cousins. You talk about Big uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, some of these quarterbacks with no rushing upside have to have receivers uh, produce to help them uh, catapult into that top five. So if we're looking at Matthew Stafford as a top five quarterback in 2021, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup could potentially both be top 12 and i don't know if that's a hot take but if you said that robert woods and cooper cup would both be top 12 and and matthew stafford would be a top five quarterback i would be like yeah okay that's cool i agree with that there's nothing hot about that so if you have a chance to take robert woods take robert woods i think you can start him every week i think he's gonna have a great season uh barring injury to either himself or the quarterback Next up is DeAndre Swift. Look, DeAndre Swift. Let me drink some of this delicious Frank Sinatra before I talk about DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is a baller. Okay. I I, I think I had him as my fourth ranked rookie running back. Behind Akers, behind Taylor. Um I don't remember who else he was behind, but he was behind them. And listen, I, I, 
if these running backs can't be bell cows in college, I just don't think they can be bell cows at the NFL level. When DeAndre Swift was at Georgia, right, Elijah Hollyfield was a 1,000-yard rusher at Georgia. Is it because Elijah Hollyfield was this stud that had to be on the field? Absolutely not. Elijah Hollyfield couldn't even make it in the NFL, right? So why was DeAndre Swift splitting time with Elijah Hollyfield in college? And my best guess that if the reason he did that is because he couldn't take the beating of an every down back. I just don't think that he could take the punishment of being an every down back. He's an electric player. When he's on the field, when he plays, he's absolutely electric. And when you watch his film, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is incredible. But what if he can't stay on the field? What if he can't stay healthy? Then all that doesn't even matter, right? He was injured as a rookie, right? This year he hasn't played hardly any training camp because of a groin issue. His coach even came out and said he's concerned because he hasn't played, right? So I know you. there's the DeAndre Swift truthers out there. And if you're a truther, then go ahead and truth as much as you want. But I faded DeAndre Swift in fantasy drafts. I have zero shares of DeAndre Swift. And I'm not going to draft him, right? If he's healthy, he has potential to be a good running back. I mean, I'd much rather have Jamal Williams at the price because I just don't think he can sustain the punishment and the beating at the NFL level to be a relevant fantasy player. He's going to have some games, absolutely. But I think he's also going to miss some games and he's probably going to be frustrating for you. Um, and the truthers are always going to say, once he's healthy, he's going to be a beast. He's going to be a beast. Just let him play. Just let him play. But I just, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to, to put in a 16 game season, be an every down player, or even just be a situational player. But why are we drafting uh, DeAndre Swift at running back 15 if he's just going to be situational? Like I'm looking for players that could be RB one, and I don't think he has three down running back capabilities, receiving. I mean, could he be Kamara? I guess he could be, uh, but he's going to have to be super efficient at the goal line. He's going to have to get receptions out the ass, um, and he's going to have to get around 700 yards rushing. So we'll see. If I if I don't win a fantasy title because I faded DeAndre Swift, I can absolutely live with that um, because I'm fading DeAndre Swift. Next up, Amari Cooper. I love Amari Cooper so much. But he's been battling this damn ankle injury for, it seems like, forever, three years. Um, I just, eventually it's going to catch up to him. It's just going to catch up to him. I mean, he's he's 26 or 27 going on 46, 47. Um, he just has a lot of wear and tear. And I don't know about Amari, but maybe he just didn't take football serious. I mean, he was an absolute stud. Maybe he just didn't take the game serious, and these injuries are starting to pile up like Sammy Watkins. Um, love him, love him, love him, but um, you know I'm not targeting him like I have in previous seasons. You know I, I definitely have targeted him in previous seasons, but this year I'm just not. And that could go back to my thoughts on on uh, Dak not not being the quarterback that that most think he's going to be, and we're going to be run heavy in Dallas. Um, but I think Amari Cooper's good. But at wide receiver fifteen, I'm I'm gonna pass because, um, you know I'm I'm looking at other players, 
um, in this range. Next up is Chris Godwin. If Chris Godwin stays healthy, I think he could be the focal point of the Bucks passing offense. Um, Mike Evans is, is the deep threat in the end zone, the goal line. And Antonio Brown's coming in. He's going to be a, definitely um, a great addition. But Godwin playing the slot, I think he could be um, the guy that, that Tom Brady likes the best. But again, if I'm going Bucks, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Giovanni Bernard late. Um, so I'm going to invest my money in Gio as as the Bucks um, player to target. Uh, we want to spread the wealth out amongst teams, right? I don't want to have too many Buccaneers. I don't want to have too many, you know, Rams. I don't want to have too many Vikings. You know, so you just want to spread out the love of of the player that you draft. So if I'm going to have a Buccaneer too. Godwin and, and Geo, okay, um, or Antonio Brown late and Geo late. Uh, so I'm okay fading Mike Evans and I'm okay fading Chris Godwin um, at their price. Next is David Montgomery, running back 16. I think he finished as running back five last season, five or eight, one of those. And he's going to running back 16. Uh, not sure why he's fallen, um, you know. Tariq Cohen is back, but but he's having issues with his knee. Um, if Justin Fields comes in, that would be huge for David Montgomery because defenses have to worry about the rushing upside of the quarterback. I don't know what David Montgomery is going to do with Andy Dalton at quarterback because I just can't imagine Andy Dalton couldn't do shit last year as the Dallas quarterback, so I'm not sure what he's going to do as the Bears quarterback. So I'm definitely... Not excited about David Montgomery unless Justin Fields takes over. So last year we had a podcast. I told you David Montgomery could be a league winner in round five. This year he's going um, in round three. And I think he's probably a fade because it's much earlier. But if someone drafts him early and then decides to drop him because Andy Dalton is terrible. um, Or you can trade and get him cheap. And then we'll wait until Justin Fields takes over. And then I'm sure that's going to open up a much more um, easy road for Dave Montgomery when, when they're running that RPO and, and they have to worry about that that quarterback with rushing upside. Um, so I'm fading Dave Montgomery in drafts, but I wouldn't mind looking to add him uh, in trades or via free agency if he's released. Uh, next up is Chris Carson. Uh, you know, Chris Carson, He some some games he looks great and then he's injured. So it's just a matter of preference. Uh, my preference is to fade Chris Carson. So uh, if you like him, take him. But I typically fade him every season. Uh, and I'm okay if I don't win with without Chris Carson. I'm fine with that. Mike Evans, I'm fading Mike Evans. Um, I just think that with Antonio Brown playing a full season and Chris Godwin being healthy, I just think it's going to take away from, from Mike Evans. I think he's finished as a top 10 wide receiver every season that he's been in the NFL. Um, but if there's a season that he doesn't finish top 10, I think this might be it. Um, so because of that, I'm just going to fade him, uh, because the costs associated with that pick next up is Cooper cup at 38. Again, if we're going Rams offense, we're going Robert Woods, we're going Cooper cup. I'm definitely fine taking Cooper cup over Mike Evans, um, over Chris Godwin, over Amari Cooper. Um, and, and, Take your choice, Robert Woods or Cooper Cup, whoever you think is the best uh, receiver for Matt Stafford. I think they're both going to have great seasons. 
um, but choose who you think you might want because I think they're both going to have to go, um, you know, in round, round three, three or four, depending on your league where they fall. Next up, DJ Moore. I love DJ Moore. I love Sam Darnold. We loved Robbie Anderson last year, and I think this offense this year is going to be very good, very electric. I think it's going to score a lot of points. Um, I think DJ Moore could become one of those players this year that you're like, he is elite. Like he is now in the elite echelon of wide receivers. Uh, right now he's going as wide receiver 18. Um, I think he could, I think he could challenge for like at least wide receiver 15 wide receiver 12, somewhere in that category. So we would get some value on him if we take him here. Um, so I do love DJ Moore. Next, J.K. Dobbins. I've never been a fan of J.K. Dobbins. I do have one share of him in rookie drafts uh, because I had several first-round picks I could not trade. Um, I just think he's like a situational player. I think you'll have some good weeks, and then he'll disappear for a little bit. I think I'd much rather have Gus Edwards later in drafts. And, again, this goes back to my strategy where I talk about if you miss on running backs, take the handcuff. So if you miss on J.K. Dobbins, take Gus Edwards. If you miss on DeAndre Swift, take Jamal Williams, right? If you miss on some of these running backs, take the players that potentially become could become the starters um, and help you to a fantasy championship. So I would much rather have Gus Edwards later in drafts. I'd much rather have Jamal Williams later in drafts than DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins. And I know some of you out there are invested in J.K. Dobbins and you're invested in DeAndre Swift because of rookie drafts. But if you follow me, uh, I told you to fade them. I told you not to take those guys. We'll see if I'm right or wrong, but I don't have any shares of those guys. So I'm not, I don't see a reason to hype them yet. Um, DeAndre Swift, because of injuries, J.K. Dobbins, I just don't think he's good enough to be a three-down back in the NFL. Uh, next is Deontay Johnson. He had a great season last year. I think Juju could be back. Ben says he's back, but they have Najee Harris now. So if Najee gets 300 carries, 300 touches, uh, something that they didn't really have last season, I think that's going to cut into uh, Deontay Johnson's um, possibilities. Um, and while I do like him, uh, wide receiver 19 is, is pretty early. I think there's other wide receivers that I'd rather have. Uh, so I'm going to pass on him here. Next is James Robinson. Uh, with the Travis Etienne injury news, Robinson has moved up to running back 19. But here's the thing. I don't think they're going to be that run-heavy team they were last year with, with Doug Marone as the coach. Um, you know, Gardner Minshew had trouble reading defenses. However, Defenses had to prepare for him because he could scramble. He could make plays with his feet. So James Robinson had a really good season. So even with ETN injured, I just don't see Jacksonville as a team that's going to run that much like they did last season. Um, and also Carlos Hyde is there. So I think even though he does stink, I think he's going to take some opportunity away from, from James Robinson. So I'm not, I'm not excited about James Robinson. I don't think he's going to repeat what he did last year. And it's similar to what we saw with, with James Conner in Pittsburgh, right? When Le'Veon Bell held out and James Conner was going at like, you know, round 14 and round 15, 
and then became the starter. He helped you win a championship. Same with James Robinson last year, right? He's going around 14, 15, or whatever, or free agencies. Helped you win a championship. The following year, James Conner was going at, like, running back, I don't know, 10 or even earlier than that. And, and James Robinson this year is going at 19 now that, that ETN is injured. I'm sure that's going to continue to rise. But they just, once defenses figured them out, um, it just didn't work. And, and Connor kind of fell in his face, didn't perform very well. And I wouldn't expect James Robinson to really duplicate what he did um, a season ago. So I'm passing on him. I'm fine passing on him. Next is Julio Jones. I'm passing on him. I think he might be done, but I'm going to pass on him. I mean, he could have a good season, but uh, I, I'm going to pass on him. Josh Allen, uh, right now he's going as the quarterback too. Look, like I mentioned, these quarterbacks have career seasons. That's what propels them um, into the top five. We talked about on the mock draft that I that I thought Josh Allen was a top five quarterback. I thought he had a potential to be a top five quarterback with the rushing upside. Um, everything went right last year. Stephon Diggs had a, a tremendous season. Cole Beasley tremendous season john brown tremendous season everything just went perfect for josh allen to to finish as that quarterback two or three or one whatever he finished in, in your scoring format but here's the thing right they're they're coming back cole beasley's refusing to get the covid vaccine i think he's already in trouble or something he's he's fined or he's sent away from the team uh, Diggs is, uh, you know, it's out of the bag. People know how good he is. Um, J- uh, John Brown is gone. I just don't think that it's going to be the same thing as last year. I don't think it's going to be the same offense. I just think everything went right for Josh Allen last year, and that's why he performed so well. So I'm actually fading Josh Allen this year. I mean, there's a good chance he could finish as like quarterback six, right? Quarterback five. But I don't think he's quarterback two, so and I don't think he's quarterback one. So we're not going to draft him this early based on last season because I think there's other quarterbacks that can move into those top three, top five roles, and I think Josh Brown can actually take a step back. So already, I think if you if you're listening to me correctly, I think Patrick Mahomes can take a step back uh, according to draft capital, cause he's going as quarterback one. I think Josh Allen's going to take a step back. I think Dak Prescott's going to take a step back, right? There's other quarterbacks that, that I think are going to propel into those top picks that we want. Um, and we're not going to take an early pick on Josh Allen at quarterback two in round three. It's just too early. Next is Tyler Lockett. I like Tyler Lockett. Um, you know, last year I, I, I talked about Greg Olson, who, who kind of bust, and Will Disley kind of bust, and I wasn't sure what DK Metcalf was going to do. But uh, Tyler Lockett has become a consistent uh, receiving threat for Seattle, and, and I don't think he's a bad pick here either. Miles Sanders next. I think Miles Sanders is being slept on because he was injured last year with his hamstring and, and reports out of camp as he's dropping passes. But listen, when the whistle blows and Miles Sanders gets in the game, he's a beast. He is a stud. Uh, if we could go running back, running back, running back, and get Miles Sanders as our running back three, let's just say Terry McLaurin's gone. If we go running back, running back. We plan to take McLaurin in the third round. He's gone. Let's snag Miles Sanders. I'm happy with that. I think Miles Sanders can far exceed running back 20. 
I think he could easily become a, a running back 12 and RB1 this season. Last year, he's, he was being drafted into the round one, early round two. Now he's being drafted um, almost in round four. So we're going to take that value every day. Next up, Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray could be the quarterback one. I think this is the year Kyler Murray, uh, barring injury, could uh, make a run for 1,000 yards on the ground, uh, 4,000 yards through the air. They've added Rondell Moore. They've added A.J. Green. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is gone, who in all accounts could have been a hindrance. Uh, now they can add a younger slot receiver like a Christian Kirk or Rondell Moore and they got Nick Hopkins and and Kyler Murray basically is the fastest player on the field he's just so quick so fast I think that he could end the season as the QB one so if we're taking any quarterbacks we're not taking Mahomes we're not taking Josh Allen we're going to take Kyler Murray um, and and plan for him to be the QB one this year next up is Adam Thielen all he does is produce um, so I'm I'm definitely on board with Adam Thielen. People are sleeping on him, but I will definitely take Adam Thielen. Going as wide receiver 22, I think he can easily return that value, again, barring injuries. Josh Jacobs next. If Kenyon Drake's injured, um, based on volume and opportunity, Josh Jacobs is a good pick, um, but I'm fading him because I just I don't really care for him. Um, you know, And, again, I should have all my running backs before that, so I'm going to be focused on receivers and tight end in the next round. Number 50, T. Higgins. I do like T. Higgins. Uh, I'm fading Jamar Chase. I do like Tyler Boyd, but I think T. Higgins could be the the wide receiver one in Cincinnati this year. He had a great rookie season. He's got rapport with with Joe Burrow, and if if Chase, uh, if Jamar Chase isn't the wide receiver that everyone thinks he's going to be, um, Joe Burrow will um, improvise and lean on T Higgins, I think to be that RB or that wide receiver one. So I'm, I, I like him, but next 51 TJ Hawkinson. I, I got to have TJ Hawkinson in every single fantasy league that I'm in. Um, I absolutely love him. I think tight end four is his floor. I think tight end one is his ceiling. And two years ago, everyone was on the OJ Howard hype train and he was going as tight end four. And, and my response was, if you're taking, O.J. Howard at tight end four, I think that's his ceiling. We don't take tight ends at tight end four if that is their ceiling. And that season, um, O.J. Howard started out slow, was a disappointment, ended up getting injured without for the season. But before that, we already knew he was a disappointment because he wasn't part of Arians' offense. Um, but I think that T.J. Hawkinson is his floor is tight end four. I think his ceiling is tight end one. Uh, complete opposite of what O.J. Howard was. So I definitely am endorsing uh, T.J. Hawkinson um, at, at pick 51, which puts him uh, in round five. Um, and absolutely love that value. If T.J. Hawkinson, you can get him in round five. Absolutely love that value. I think he's a league winner as a tight end one with Jared Goff um, being the focal point of the Detroit Lions offense. Next is Mark Andrews. Um, with all the injuries to the Ravens receiving core, uh, Mark Andrews is by default going to be um, Lamar Jackson's top target. So uh, if for some reason TJ Hawkinson was gone and you want a tight end, I would go with Mark Andrews, but I'm going Hawkinson all day in every draft that I can. Uh, Mike Davis, uh, I mean, they're going to give him the football, but you know, I, I don't think he's going to be anything too special. 
I mean, we saw what he did in Seattle. We saw what he did in Chicago. Uh, he had a great season in Carolina last year, right? I, I think that could also have been, you know, part of the the way the offense was designed and, and, and called. Um, I don't know if he's going to do that in Atlanta. And again, I mentioned Atlanta might be uh, the disappointment of the year. So unless I'm getting Mike Davis late, I think in one one in one of my um, my home leagues, I think that uh, it's a keeper league. I drafted Mike Davis last year, like round twelve or round thirteen, and now I get to keep him uh, for like a round eleven pick, and that's where I think value is. I would definitely keep him uh, round eleven pick, but I'm not gonna take him uh, in round five. Um, because I'm going to take my running backs early, and then I'm going tight ends and wide receivers later. Next up, Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a really good season. I mean, I, I would love to see Rashad Bateman healthy and Sammy Watkins healthy and, and Marquise Brown healthy. I think that would definitely have unleashed him for the quarterback one possibility uh, with the rushing upside and the passing upside. But if he's going into camp and he's got Tylen Wallace as, as, as wide receiver one, um, I think his rushing upside is the best that we're going to have. Um, so I've kind of tempered my expectations on Lamar Jackson this year um, until I see his receivers come back healthy. So at quarterback four, uh, I'm probably going to pass. I'm probably going to pass and, and take another quarterback later um, and just hope for the best. Next is Brandon Ayuk. Um, I was high on Jimmy G and Brandon Ayuk last year. I mean, Brandon Ayuk. All these got to do is master three routes, the slant, the post, and the quick hitch, the bubble screen, um, and then also give him some reverses, and he could be a wide receiver one. Um, Shanahan loves the ex-wide receiver. I think that Jimmy G is going to be the starter in San Francisco. I just don't think Trey Lance is ready. I think Jimmy G will start. Now, if Jimmy G gets hurt, yes, he's going to lose that job. They're going to put Trey Lance in, and he's just going to learn by fire. But as long as both quarterbacks are healthy, I think Jimmy G is the starter. And I think Jimmy G can build a rapport with with Brandon Ayuk um, when the games matter. I think Brandon Ayuk will, will be a, a big, big part of that offense. And, and I like him better than Debo Samuel. And, and if you like Debo Samuel, remember Debo had that really good, really good rookie season. And then Mike Shanahan went out, or Kyle Shanahan went out the next season and spent a first-round pick on a wide receiver. So if he really was that excited about Debo Samuel, why the hell would he spend a first-round pick on another wide receiver? Um, obviously, to me, that tells me that Debo did not fit the role that Kyle Shanahan wanted in his offense. And that is an ex-wide receiver uh, that can dominate. I think Debo is going to get some some play, but I think Ayuk is the receiver that Shanahan wants to lean on to be his Julio Jones his Pierre Garçon, uh, his Andre Johnson, his stud wide receiver. Uh, next is Kyle Pitts. I'm fading Kyle Pitts. Absolutely fading Kyle Pitts. Enough said about that. I'm just fading Kyle Pitts. Um, if he comes back to bite me, I don't even care because I'm fading him in rookie drafts. I'm fading him in league seasonal drafts. So if, if he breaks out and I'm just, I'm just eating L's all day long, um, but I'm fading Kyle Pitts. He's just, to me, he's too young. He's in an offense that I think is going to be very easy to defend. And I just don't think he's ready. So if he if he beats the odds and does all that, 
then I'm just going to take my L. Um, but uh, my process tells me that Kyle Pitts is a fade uh, in redraft leagues. Next is Darrell Henderson. I'm fading him, especially now with the Sony Michelle news. I'm taking Sony Michelle later. Um, and I'm fading Darrell Henderson. Cream Hunt, again, if you're in a tournament and you, and you miss on Nick Chubb and you're just going for flyers, you go with Cream Hunt. hope that Nick Chubb uh, somehow misses some games and Cream Hunt could be a league winner. Absolutely, but you're betting on an injury. So definitely in home leagues, you're not going to bet on an injury, but in tournaments, you might want to. Next is Dak Prescott, quarterback five. No, I've, I've given you all the reasons why we're going to fade Dak Prescott. Uh, there's other quarterbacks that I want. I'm not taking Dak Prescott at QB5. Next is Miles Gaskin. I think Miles Gaskin could have a good season to start, um, but then I think as the season goes on, you might see more of Salvin Ahmed. You might see more of Malcolm Brown, and who knows, they could sign somebody off the street or make a trade. Um, but I think Gaskin could start off hot, um, but I think he could probably fade pretty quickly. So I'm just going to fade him because of that. Uh, Odell Beckham, we're waiting on that breakout season. Once he left the Giants, he hasn't done anything. Um, I hyped him several years ago when he was in Cleveland. He just got injured. He just became a diva. I'm just not sure where his head's at. Would love to see him become the man again in Cleveland. I just don't know if it's going to happen. So I'm not really going to invest um, you know, round five, round six draft capital on Odell Beckham. I mean, who knows? He could surprise and have – I mean, when he's healthy, he puts up really, really good games um, because nobody can cover him. He's really, really that good. So if he comes out and just – I mean, I can see a scenario where he just shocks the world and just comes out and is like the wide receiver five because play-action pass is huge in an offense that loves the run. And you give Odell Beckham, you know, five seconds – to beat a defensive back, he's going to beat him every single time. So if Baker Mayfield's play action pass to from, from Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt and, and rolls out, that's going to give Odo Beckham plenty of time to beat his defensive back. So if he can stay healthy, um, Odell Beckham could definitely surprise a lot of people. And, and there's some leagues that, you know, especially neighborhood leagues or home leagues, I'm more willing to take a shot on someone like Odell Beckham because if I'm wrong, then I'm okay because I'm sure that, you know, half the league is going to make the playoffs and you're going to find somebody on the waiver wire that's going to take his place, and that's fine. But if I'm in a tournament, um, I mean, it's hard to take him because every pick matters. Um, but whoever does end up with him and if he does break out, uh, it's going to be lights out for you if, if you missed him and he does break out. So I'm more willing to take him in a neighborhood league than I am in a tournament Um I, I love his talent. I love his skill set. I just don't know what, what, who's going to show up in, in 2021. Um, so take it for what it's worth. Um, go with your gut, whatever you think might happen. Next is Kenny Galladay. I'm, I'm fading Kenny Galladay. I'm, I'm just fading that entire Giants offense other than Saquon Barkley. Uh, next up, Chase Claypool. Um, again, I think he might have some big games, but I, I, I think that Pittsburgh is going to rely on Najee. You're going to have Deontay Johnson. You're going to have Juju Smith, and you're going to have Chase Claypool. So I can't see any any of them as as like uh, uh, the number one, clear number one, clear top five, top ten wide receiver. And if one of them is, I just don't know which one it's going to be. So I'm not going to invest in Chase Claypool this early. Next up is Juju Smith-Schuster. Same reason I'm not going to invest in Juju Smith-Schuster this early because I'm just not sure 
who is the alpha there in, in Pittsburgh. Um, so uh, I'm kind of going to pass on him. Jamar Chase, we're absolutely passed on Jamar Chase. Look, you know, I talk about um, all these things, and, you know, you get on Twitter and people want to come at you anytime you say something they disagree with. And Jamar Chase is like everyone's love because everyone's been a high, high draft pick on Jamar Chase. But when I did when I did my research on rookies and I try to dive into their personal side, right? Because there's one thing when you're evaluating uh, players, you can look at the analytics, you can look at the charts, you can look at the numbers, you can watch the film, you can do all that stuff. But you can't, there's no type of chart that can tell you what's going on in the head of these players. Right. What happens when they get all the money? What happens when they get all the fame? How does that affect the player? Do they still love the game of football? Do they still want to be the best? Do they still put in the time? Do they put in the effort? Right. Are they still the same player when they go from college to the pro? And and the one thing you can't measure is a player's heart and a player's head. Right. So when I do my research on rookies now, I, I really try to dive into the personal side of these players and try to identify if I feel like they have the desire to be great. And when I evaluated Jamar Chase, I did not feel like he had the desire to be a great football player. Uh, he sat out a season uh, at LSU. He said it basically is because he wanted to get ready for the draft, and that's fine, but basically that's telling me he just wants to get the money. Right. He came out and said he wanted to be the number one receiver draft in the class. That was his goal. Not to be the best receiver in the NFL, not to be the best receiver in the class, but to be the number one receiver drafted in the class. So so why? Is that because of money? Is that because of fame? Is it because why do you just want to be the number one receiver drafted? Why don't you just, just say, I just want to be the best teammate. I want to be the best football player. He didn't say any of that. Now, once he's drafted here, I'm in here in Cincinnati, right? I'm here in Cincinnati. Back in July, the, the, the Instagram model came out and said, you know, Jamar Chase um, is is my baby daddy and he won't acknowledge it. She put some text online where, where she told him he was pregnant on a text and he wrote back and said, take the plan B. Um, and again, that, that could happen a lot, in, in, you know, amongst players. I don't know. Um, but there's also rumors in Cincinnati that he's always in the club. He's always, you know, showing his money off. Now there's speculation that that the Instagram model they're together now, and she's saying that he he hit her. Um, he's having all these issues at practice where he's dropping passes, and I'm sure that these off the field issues are affecting his on field performance. And people are like, oh, it's just no big deal. He's dropping it. Oh, let's compare him to Justin Jefferson. He's nothing like Justin Jefferson. Absolutely nothing like Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson never let the money go to his head, never let the fame go to his head. You never heard about any uh, girl, uh, you know, accusing Justin Jefferson of beating her, getting her knocked up. You know, they're not the same player. So enough of the Jefferson and chase comparisons all right just because jamar chase had a better 
statistical season yardage-wise than Justin Jefferson doesn't mean he's a better wide receiver. So enough with the comparisons, right? We know Justin Jefferson is an elite talent. He's proven that, all right? All Chase has proven right now is that he is not focused on football, in my opinion, okay? Then there's rumors the coach said he could lose snaps to Auden Taylor. Are you fucking kidding me? All this tells me is that he's not focused on football. So this is my long, quick, short rant about Jamar Chase. I am absolutely fitting Jamar Chase. I put him high in my rankings only because the statistical model said that I should. Even though I told the patrons to fade Jamar Chase, I told the patrons I would not support drafting Jamar Chase uh, in any format unless you could not absolutely trade down. You've got to take the best player available and then hopefully trade him later. Um, but I'm fitting Jamar Chase in redraft. I need him to prove that he wants to be a good football player, prove that you're going to be good before I invest in you. Next is Russell Wilson. I think he could be a good quarterback. Uh, I'd much rather have other quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, possibly Matthew Stafford later. Um, but but Russell Wilson, if you're stuck taking a quarterback here, Russell Wilson's going as quarterback six. I think he could easily finish as quarterback six. Uh, seven, eight, or nine. I don't think there's a big difference there. So I'm fine taking Russell Wilson there. Chase Edmonds, next running back 26. I do like Chase Edmonds. I think this is, might be a little early for him, but I think he could be a sleeper. Uh, he's got the pass receiving upside plus the rushing upside. Uh, so I do like Chase Edmonds as well. Um, but next up, Jerry Judy. I love, absolutely love Jerry Judy. Teddy Bridgewater has been announced the starter. Um, so we love Jerry Judy. Um, to have a breakout season this year. Um, I want to get him as many leads as I can, um, and I suggest that you do too. Next is Robbie Anderson. We, we, we like Robbie Anderson. Uh, not as much as we liked him last year. Obviously, he's taken a huge jump. He's going as wide receiver 31. Uh, I think last year when we were drafting him, he was like wide receiver 70 or wide receiver 65 or some, some crazy shit like that. That's when you get value when you're going at wide receiver 31. Uh, there's not very much value there. Next is Tyler Boyd. We want that Cincinnati offense. Um, if if Joe Burry can stay healthy, uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I think, will be pretty decent um, wide receivers. Next is Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, I guess. I guess. He, he had a great season last year. I don't think he's going to repeat it, but uh, I guess he could have a decent season. Next is Cortland Sutton. He's got an ACL injury, so we're going to just fade him. Justin Herbert, yeah, Justin Herbert could have a good season. Um, he could have a, a, a definitely uh, a really good season um, in, in L.A. Um, he's got Mike Williams. He's got Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. Everybody stays healthy. Joe Lombardi's offensive coordinator. They're going to try to run the Saints offense. Um, I think Justin Herbert could be uh, in for a good season going as quarterback eight. Um, but, again, I think we'll probably rather have Stafford later. Um, and, and take a running back or wide receiver in this round and pass on Justin Herbert. Next is Javante Williams. If Javante Williams becomes a thing, I think it's going to be later in the season. I think um, Melvin Gordon is going to start the season, and then Javante Williams may take over uh, later in the draft, later in the season. So I don't want to spend a high draft pick on Javante Williams here because I just don't know when he's going to take over and when he's going to be relevant. Next up, number 75, is Damian Harris. 
Um, I think with the Sony Michelle trade, Damon Harris, obviously, I think he's going to be the the bell cow of the offense. He doesn't have the receiving upside, right? James White is taking some of those receptions. Um, so um, I think that, uh, you know, he doesn't have elite ceiling, but I think he can definitely produce flex uh, points for you. So if you're drafting him as a running back 28, I think you can easily put him in as a flex. I think that's a good pick um, for all those that are looking for a good uh, flex player running back, especially later in drafts. Next is Noah Fant, tight end seven. Again, I'd rather have Hawkinson, so I'm not going to take a tight end this early to back him up. Debo, we talked about Debo. We'd rather have Ayuk um, passing there. Brandon Cooks, I just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Tyrod Taylor. Um, so, yes, every year Brandon Cooks has done good. Every year his quarterback has either been Drew Brees, Tom Brady, or Jared Goff. You know, he's had decent quarterbacks. Now he's got, what, Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills. Um, he's also had Deshaun Watson. Um, so, you know, I don't know, um, but but I'm I'm not gonna bet on, on Brandon Cooks. Um, I just I just don't want any, any piece of that Houston Texans team. Um, not asking for forgiveness there. Logan Thomas, I think Logan Thomas could have a really good season. He's going to tie in eight. I mean, I, if I wasn't in love with Hawkinson, I'd be taking TJ, or I'd be taking Logan Thomas later. Um, I think he's going to be um, a focal point with Terry McLaurin and, and Antonio Gibson. And I think he's going to have a pretty decent season. Uh, there's not many tight ends to compete with. So tight end eight could easily be his floor. Uh, I think last year he was like tight end three, three or four. Um, so Logan Thomas could absolutely have a good season and far exceed tight end eight where he's going right now. Raheem Mostert. Uh, you know, people like Trey Sermon, but the truth is Raheem Mostert is the most electric running back in that backfield. Um, if he can stay healthy, um, I do like him at running back 29. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with that offense, but if he stays healthy, I think he's easily the starter um, every week. And then Ryan Tannehill. There is a scenario where Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown could be uh, a top quarterback, top receiver uh, combo. So, I think since Ryan Tannehill signed with Tennessee, he has been the number four overall fantasy quarterback, right? Was it since 2019? Um, so he's going as quarterback nine. So there is always a scenario that he could finish as the quarterback five. Um, and then that would bump up, obviously, uh, either A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. There is a scenario. And, and again, I know, I know Derrick Henry has never been injured. He hasn't had any injury issues. Um, but I mentioned before, there's always been quarterbacks that have produced two wide receivers in the top 12. So there's always a scenario, right, in an alternate universe where Ryan Tannehill is a top five quarterback and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are both top 12 wide receivers. That is a possibility because they all have the potential, they all have the talent to get there they just need the opportunity. And the opportunity would be if something were to happen to Derrick Henry and they would have to lean on becoming a passing offense. Uh, they don't have a defense, so they're going to have to throw anyways. Um, so if you're in any type of like a best ball tournament or 
you know, any type of tournament that you have several teams, make sure you do a stack of Tannehill and A.J. Brown or Tannehill and Julio. Or if somehow you can do a stack of Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Julio, um, just to have that exposure in case something does happen to the starting running back and they just become a pass-happy offense all season long, it could definitely win you a lot of money and win you a championship uh, in that, that format. All right, next up, Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon's going to score uh, quite a bit and, and be the starter for Denver to start the season. Uh, whether he's going to hold that that role for the entire season is is to be determined. Uh, Javante Williams is younger, um, and if he can pick up the offense, he's definitely going to challenge for some playing time. Next is Tom Brady. Uh, we do like Tom Brady, but uh, last year, you know, we projected him to be the top seven. This year, he's going as quarterback ten. I mean, dude's 44 years old, right? At some point, he is going to take a hit and miss some time. Uh, whether it's this year or not, I don't know, but just those odds are scary. So I'm avoiding Tom Brady this year just because the odds of him getting injured increase as he gets older. Um, so there's other quarterbacks that I'd rather have. Uh, but if you like Tom Brady, you know, I, I, I can't knock you there. He's got Antonio Brown. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, he's going to have all the pass catchers that he needs. Giovanni Bernard, um, I just don't know. He's 40, 43 years old, 44 years old. Um, and that, that's tough playing in the NFL, but we'll see. I, I, I just rather have other quarterbacks, so I'm just going to pass. DJ Chark, um, passing, I think Trevor Lawrence is, is a much better vertical passer than, than Gardner Minshew. I think that's clear. Um, but DJ Chark is having issues. I think he has some hand issues. He's having some mental issues. I'm not quite sure where he's at. I'd much rather have LaVisca Sunal way, way over DJ Chark. So if, if they had LaVisca Sunal here at wide receiver 36, I'd be much more willing to, to draft him than DJ Chark. And especially next up is Will Fuller. Come on now. I'd much rather have LaVisca Sunal over Will Fuller. Next is Corey Davis. Corey Davis is getting a lot of love in the preseason. Zach Wilson is, is finding him a lot, giving him a lot of targets. Um, I don't know if Zach Wilson is playing the second string defenses or what he's playing against, uh, but we've seen Corey Davis in Tennessee. When the defenses matter and the defenses focus on you, he tends to disappear. Um, but this late in drafts, going at wide receiver 38, I think you can take a shot at Corey Davis. Um, if he's there, um, you know, and, and you don't need any other positions like a quarterback or a running back, and you're just stacking receivers, I think Corey Davis is an all right flyer to to take. Next is Trey Sermon. I think maybe at some point he'll he's going to get get some touches, um, but uh, I think Raheem Mostert is a starter, and um, you know he's the guy that I'd probably rather invest in um, than than Trey Sermon. But I think Trey Sermon might come on later in the season. Um, so, you know, if you want to take him this late, I'm okay with that. Next is Jalen Hurts. I'm not a big Jalen Hurts fan. I mean, I think he's getting a lot of points with his legs, but I just don't think he's very accurate. So probably by default, by volume, he's going to, to produce. Um, I'm just not a fan of him as a quarterback. Um, so I'm just going to pass on him and fade him. Next, next is Michael Carter. Not a fan of Michael Carter. I don't think he's an NFL back. I mean, I think he might be average, but a lot of people were hyping him like he's a starter, going to be a stud. I just don't see it. 
Um, so I'm fading him. Jarvis Landry, I'm fading him. Devonta Smith uh, in Dynasty, I wouldn't mind having him. I just I don't know what he's going to do as a rookie. Um, I mean, I guess you might take a flyer on him. But next is LaVisca Sonal. I'd rather have LaVisca Sonal over Devonta Smith, over Jarvis Landry, uh, over Corey Davis, over Will Fuller, over DJ Chark. Um, so I'd rather have LaVisca Sonal in this round than any of those guys. Next is Antonio Brown. Uh that, that's a nice constellation prize. I wouldn't mind taking taking a flyer on Antonio Brown. I don't think he's going to be the Antonio Brown that we remember, um, but I think there's going to be games where where Brady's going to feed him and he's going to have some big games, but I don't think he's going to be that reliable wide receiver that he was in Pittsburgh. Next is Dallas Goddard. Um, I've been fading Dallas Goddard. I mean, a lot of people liked him. Zach Ertz seems like he's going to be making the team, and while I think they're both probably going to get some receptions, um, you know, I'm fading Dallas Goddard because, again, I'd rather have TJ Hawkinson. So I don't need a tight end this late. Uh, Ronald Jones. Um, well, since I said we're going with Gio Bernard this year, we're going to pass on Ronald Jones. And we're just going to invest our money in Gio later in drafts and, and just hope that he becomes the back. Next is Matthew Stafford, quarterback 12. That's pretty high. Um, I was hoping he'd fall a little later, but... Uh, if I think he finishes easily as quarterback five, six, or seven, then we we definitely get some return on our, our investment uh, of him going as quarterback 12. At pick 96, that puts you like right at round eight, which is a really good position to take a quarterback, especially in six-point quarterback leagues. Um, six-point touchdowns for quarterbacks. Um, I think that's a great spot for Matthew Stafford, uh, pick 96. And that would be the beginning of round eight. So we're going to end right there. It's like one in the morning and I've had a lot of whiskey and I got to work tomorrow. So uh, I'm giving you the first eight rounds and then um, we will jump back in and do some more rounds later. Um, if I have time to record tomorrow, I'll do another uh, eight rounds to finish the draft. But I appreciate you hanging with me. Uh, I appreciate you this slow, long draft breakdown. Um, I appreciate you drinking whiskey or beer or whatever you're drinking with me and enjoying this time in the lounge with me. Again, check out my Patreon page, Patreon backslash Roto Lounge, um, and follow me on Twitter at Roto Lounge. Until next time, this has been your boy Brad Starks with the Roto Lounge. Cheers.